You're listening to the Relationship-Centered Learning Podcast, a podcast to inspire and empower you to be a difference maker in a dysfunctional educational system. Hear weekly from adults and students who are having a radical impact in the education space as they share from their minds and hearts, giving us practical tools that we can take back to our classrooms and campuses. Here to take you outside the educational box is author, disruptor, and your host, Kevin Curtis. Before we get into today's episode, if you really like the GTKY concept of connections before content, but you thought to yourself, where do I get those good questions at? And you're thinking, well, I'm still doing virtual teaching versus in-person teaching, and I just want to connect with my kids, but I'm not sure what questions to ask. What we've done for you is created a free resource of 25 GTKY questions that you can immediately download and go back into your virtual setting or your in-person classroom setting to make a difference of getting to know your students before you dive into the content. All you have to do is head over to our website at rclfirst.com, sign up for our newsletter, and you will get immediate access to 25 GTKY questions that you can go back into the classroom and started putting connections before content. So let's get right back into the show. Hey, welcome back to the show, everyone. On today's episode, I'm interviewing Dr. Jeffrey Prickett. He is the principal of the East Campus for McHenry Community High School District 156 in Illinois. This award-winning principal is a humble leader that simply describes himself as a high school principal doctor, father, husband, podcaster, runner, and avid reader. He is the co-host of the Principal Leadership Lab podcast, where I have been a guest on his show. And now the tables have turned and we sit down to connect on how relationships have been the difference maker in his leadership journey. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Welcome to the Relationship Center Learning Podcast, where we put relationships at the center of all learning. I am excited today to have Dr. Jeffrey uh, Prickett on the show. Welcome to the show. Kevin, thank you, man. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, Jeff. Hey, we always start off every episode the same way. That is the connections before content. We do that in what we call the GTKY format. I'm going to flip. Five, I'm going to have five questions for you. You're going to flip five back at me. Quick, just get to know you questions. Keep them shallow and let's model what teachers can do in the classroom. So question number one, Jeff, I know for men and ed, you are a runner, you know, and so my question is, sure. what's your favorite running shoe? Ooh, favorite running shoe is is got to be the Nike man. I, I I'll go with mostly anything anything Nike. I'd have to look and see what it, what um, what I'm using right now because I just bought it. But man, it's light and it makes me go fast. <laughs> I love it. All right, question number two up here. If I was coming to visit you in your home area, where is one place that you're like, I got to take Kevin here? Where are you gonna take me? Oh man, that that's good. I'm I'm probably going to um I'm probably going to take you. We we've got a bunch of diners here in town. We've got an outdoor theater, but I'm not going to take you there. But I'm probably going to take you to a place called DC Cobbs. It's a local eatery. It's right downtown McHenry on the river. Just a great place. Great place to go. That's awesome. Uh, you know, and I don't know if you've actually ever been to San Antonio where I'm from, but I mean, again, you mentioned the river, the river walk is pretty much iconic and everybody kind of comes to town to see that. So that would be a place I would definitely take you. I would love you to see our river walk and kind of get to, to, to see the atmosphere and some good food down there. All right. Question number three, really simple. How do you like your eggs, Jeff? Oh man, I, I like them over easy. 
I like them over easy, a little bit of yolk when you stick your fork right into them and soaks into that bread. Oh, man, you are speaking my language right now. Oh, my God. Breakfast for dinner. So what's crazy is when you mentioned diners, for me, when I travel and I travel so much, um, that's what I look for. I want a little diner that's packed, that can serve breakfast all day, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Oh, my God. We've got, that's, those, we've got those plenty down here. Yep. Absolutely. So I love it. All right. Question number four. If somebody was to turn on... On, let's say your playlist, right? On your phone or your device, what would be an artist that they would be surprised or wouldn't necessarily think Dr. Prickett would have on his playlist? Man, it happens all the time because, uh, you know, all the kids think that I like listen to smooth jazz or something, but uh, you, you, you're going to open up my Spotify playlist and almost every single playlist you're going to find uh, Beartooth or Motionless in White or Slipknot or Sleeping with Sirens, uh, Wage War. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I've always been a metalhead and uh, I'm I'm all I'm really into um, like alternative alternative core right now. Um, that makes me go fast too. <laughs> I love it. So between the shoes and the music, I can Absolutely. see why I can see why your pace is coming down. All right, Absolutely. fifth 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 question. All right, I know you have your own podcast, and we're going to talk about that later. Yeah. But if you were in my shoes right now, sitting with this behind you, the Relationship Centered Learning Podcast, who would you bring on as a guest? Who would be like, man, I got to get this person on this show, knowing what I'm about, but you get to host oh, it. Yeah. Who would you bring on this show as a guest? Yeah, I, you know what? I've, I've got so many, so many people in mind. And um, I, I think one of, the, one of the people who have really resonated with me lately is uh, a, a high school teacher by the name of Mark Horner. I don't know if you know Mark, but he is, he is just, he's got a way about him. He knows what to say. He knows the right time to say it, but it does, it, it's not, it's not like he, he, he just, it, com it just comes out of his mouth, man. It's just organic. It's natural. Uh, he's a relationships guy. And uh, like I said, there's so many, so many people, but Mark is definitely, definitely on the top of my list. All right then. Well then, that I made that note right there. Mark Horner, he's definitely Mark making Horner. it uh, making an episode soon. Absolutely, right, Jeff. That was five. You got five for me. Yeah, I got five, man. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, all right, all right. So not not maybe a favorite artist on your playlist, but uh, what is your favorite genre of music? Believe it or not, it's country. Um, I mean, I love all. I was a DJ starting when I was 18 years old. So okay. I learned a variety, a lot of different musics. But I mean, if you're going to ask me what my number one genre is, country. And, and I'll go as specific as Jason Aldean, because I like the kind of the rock with the country. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, he is by far my favorite artist. Okay, uh, you'd, you'd have to force me to listen to country. But, uh, you know, I, uh, believe it or not, though, I grew up listening to country with my dad, but it's like old school. I could do old school, like Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard, Hank Williams. Yeah, no, it, and I grew up to that, too. Don't get me wrong. But 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 I will tell you, um, the fact that you do kind of like the metal and the rock a little bit, uh, at least Jason Aldean would give you a little bit of like, okay, that's it's not necessarily the typical country that you may think. But, yeah, so okay. country. All right. I'm trying it, man. I'm trying it. Um, Kevin, what do you like to do in your free time? Uh, right now, golf. I am obsessed with golf. Uh, usually in the fall, I'm a hunter and I'm a bow hunter. So hunting okay. and golf are pretty much my two passions when I have free time. And so I've realized, okay, COVID's here, quarantine's here. Um, yeah. I guess working on that golf swing. I can play that by myself. I can practice a lot. So yeah, golf is, sure. is definitely a, a passion right now of mine. So shooting things and hitting things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, never thought of a way that way, Jeff, but yes, absolutely. 
I like it, man. I like it. Um, here's a question for you. Do you have any siblings? And if so, how many? And uh, fall in the lineup? Absolutely. Three brothers, one sister. I'm the youngest by eight and a half years. Um, I always joke during my trainings, I show family pictures, but you know, my, my parents got together and they got busy. They have a child every single year and they were all born in February or March. And then eight and a half years later, I was born in September. So they love to call me the accident. I prefer surprise. <laughs> to say the best for last, but a three very brothers. In, very intentional surprise. Very intentional absolutely. Surprise, right. Okay. Here's a quick one reading or podcasts. Oh, podcasts. I, I, I'm going to be very direct, Jeff. Other than on our men's group, on when, when I, we have to do a book, I do not like to read. I am an audio, and here's the deal. I'm an audio book or a podcaster. I am a listener, uh, listener for learning. Okay. So when we do those book studies in the men and ed group, you're, you're all about the audio book. Right. Yeah. And now when I would tell you, I bought Atomic Habits I, just be, and I'm listening to it. But um, I realized the first time when we did Tribes, it, yeah. it was I struggled when we were referencing things. So with White Fragility, I wanted to make sure I got both. I got the audio and the written. Good, and good. so I'm just kind of doing both because I think uh, when I hear something audio, I'm like, oh, crap, I want to like see that and highlight that. So yeah. I do lose that vision. But, both, but mostly I'm a listener, a learning by listener. Got it. Got it. Okay. Fifth question. I don't know if you're a sport guy or not, but if you are, our favorite sport? Uh, football by far. Football. Uh, I, I coached football for Texas here in 10 years, for 10 years. So if you know anything oh, you're about in Texas, football, I should have, why is it even a question? That's why I was about to say, <laughs> yes. So yes, uh, Hal is from Houston. I'm from San Antonio. Right. So we're about three hours apart, but I was literally a varsity football coach for 10 years. So it, it, it's in my blood. It's in my DNA. I got the chance to play a little bit of college football my first year, you know, as a freshman, but realized that the other athletes were a lot better than I thought I was. And so uh, quickly realized maybe that's not the sport sport for me. Came back and started playing baseball, believe it or not, but football by far is my favorite sport to watch and participate in. Great. Love it, man. There's my five. All right. Well, just like we model in the classroom connections before content, um, I've learned a little bit about Jeff. Jeff learned a little about me and they were simple, shallow questions. So just as you do in the classroom, if you're wanting to learn more about um, getting to know you questions, uh, you can go over to our website at rclfirst.com and we've got free resources of 25 GTKY questions you can use in the classroom with your staff or your students. So, all right. Jeff, we'll jump right into the show. Um, I just oh. want people to know a little bit about you, um, where you're currently at, and, and, and so that they can just have a, a backdrop of where you're speaking from and where you're currently at in the middle of this pandemic leading a school. Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. I am uh, I'm Illinois, born and raised, uh, still in Illinois all these years later. Uh, we are in McHenry, Illinois. Uh, so that is about just 15, 20 minutes shy of the, of the Wisconsin border. So very northern tip of, of Illinois. Always been up here in, in this area. Um, I have, I'm currently leading uh, a high school. I'm a high school principal entering into my fourth year of high school principalship. Spent most of my administrative career as an elementary and middle school principal. Uh, I have taught as well. I've been an assistant principal and a dean of students also, uh, but currently entering year four McHenry High School East Campus. What's the biggest challenge you see leading a high school versus the other two campuses? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a question I get all the time, man. And, and um, 
there's, there's, um, I think the big, well, well, the obvious biggest difference is the size of the kids. And so I never, ever once saw um, myself as a high school principal, but you asked me about the challenge. And I think the, I think the challenges at the high school level um, are, are, I, I used to think, here's what I used to think. And I'm, and, I, and I'm, and I was wrong. I used to think that the bigger the kid, the bigger the problem. Right. But mm-hmm. I spent eight years as an elementary principal and I, I, I've met a lot of kids with some really, really big problems. So I think that at the high school level, especially these kids have been taught for how many years of their public school career. Right. Mm-hmm. Ever since kindergarten to to sit down to raise their hand before speaking, to get a pass, to go to the washroom. And then when they turn 18, we say, go out and be an adult. Well, we haven't taught them to be adults. And I think when you ask me the biggest challenge, I think that's it. I think that is one of the biggest challenges that I'm facing is that we, uh, as educators, I think I'm, I'm always looking for, for ideas and ways to uh, help teachers and to give teachers ideas on how to um, maybe flip that learning model on its head. But, you know, in high school, content is king. You know, um, and and we can get into that because that's kind of funny that we we're talking about that on the Relationship Centered Learning podcast. You know, but at high school, content is king, and so how to how to help teachers understand how important relationships are because I can't I, I can't I can't tell you maybe a single thing maybe a couple things here and there that I remember content wise out of high school, but I can't tell you about the people in my life who made the difference. So. Those are just a yeah. couple of the challenges. Well, you know what, Jeff, before I, I, I you know, I was in my mind, I was like, I wanted to go in a couple of different directions, but let's just stay there for a second. So let's talk about it because, so just so you know, my background, a majority of it is at the high school. I taught integrated physics, biology, chemistry, speech, and health at the high school level for a majority of my career. So I was also in a content being science, a, a tested field mm-hmm. of education. So I, I understand the pressures and that content is king yeah. to a certain extent. And, and I, and then when you, and the reason I say this is, is I'll go full circles. When I go back now to speak or train to, to classrooms in the high school setting, I always tell them uh, it's the least fertile soil to bring relationships to, mm-hmm. because as you just said, let's just use that content is king. And I always, I, I kind of joke, but it is real. I have to, I, my, my code switching has to be completely different when I speak to an elementary group sure. or a high school group. I, I mean, I, I tell them very directly, I'm gonna, I need to hit you in the mouth in the first five minutes or you're not going to listen to me, you know, because they're, 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 they're like, what is this guy going to teach and preach to us about relationships when we, you know, we already know what it is. We already know how we got this stuff down. And so, and then the other thing you start realizing is, and I was listening to your podcast with Hal, and I mentioned you have about 700 kids. So when you look at, when you look at the size and you look at the content is kind of king situations on most, in most high schools, and let's just stereotype for a second. What are some of the things that you've experienced to help Make those realistic approaches of what about relationships and, and how do we get those staff members to either reconsider or rethink or reevaluate? Because just as you pointed out, I've asked many people in every training to, we start off with the, every training, the, exactly the question, Jeff, that you just answered yourself is what makes a great teacher great in your life? If you had a great teacher in your life and you know what we do, Jeff, is, is we actually have them all write it down on post-it notes. 
And then as a visual board, and so I, and I will just tell you, this is a great activity that you could do with your staff right now, Jeff, and every administrator out there could do the same thing. We just simply ask him, when you think of the great phenomenal teachers out there, what is the one thing, now I don't want to bullets, I don't want five, four, three things. What's that one thing that you remember that teacher focusing on more than anything else to, be, to help you be successful in that class? And when you ask that question that way, what's amazing, Jeff, is caring, loving, responsible, you know, funny, articulate, passionate, you know, all these things. And we, what we do is we post all of those on the wall. And then I show them a picture of a lot of the other ones we've done in the past. And I'm like, notice it does not say content or curriculum up there. None of them. I know, Jeff, but what's crazy is, is, is until you do that and show that to them, they're just like, oh, crap. And I'm like, look, I'm not telling you content's not important because they're, then they're going to shoot me, right? But I'm like, look at what you guys just said because my, what I'm really good at, I've learned, I'm good at using other people's words against themselves. So notice I didn't come into a training and said, look what's important. You guys just gave me this information and look what your information says. So I've had a lot of administrators create that into kind of a bullying bu bulletin board or something to remind teachers when they get content heavy or content is king to remind them, remember what we said, what makes teachers, the great teachers in our life was not necessarily. What are your thoughts on that? Man, that, that's so, so critical. I, I think, um, I think that the, the issue is that a lot of times they don't feel like they have permission to go ahead and not touch their syllabus the first day. <laughs> You know, and I tell them, like, especially if you're a school that has like a straight eight period day, right? Those kids are going to go to every single class and hear about a syllabus eight times that day. Why, why, do, why do that? Imagine yourself as a kid and, and having to sit through that all day long. So take day one, take day two, heck, even take day three and just, just, Talk about whatever, you know, play some games, look for some community building things. If you're not good at it, if you need some icebreakers, there are tons of resources out there, tons of conversation starters, tons of games that you could play. Guess what? In a high school classroom, that can be done too. I mean, you, you don't have to, you don't have to touch that syllabus and I'm giving you permission for at least a couple of days to go ahead and not do that. And believe me, Kevin, I, I get a lot of um, two, um, maybe three responses. Yes. Okay. That's great. Thank you. I never, no one ever gave me permission for that before. Or, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? No way. Or I don't hear anything. You know, it's just crickets, dead, dead silence from that third group. And a lot of times that third group is the largest group. And so you have to work with those people and, and perhaps they're just out of fear because they've never, never, never done anything like that before. They just don't know where to start. They just don't know what to do. And so the other thing is, uh, is you know, I, let's have some fun. Just because this is high school doesn't mean we can't have fun. Right. I mean, I understand why you might need structure at the at the elementary level and you have to start out that way um, because you have to teach little kids about school teach them how to you know the order and the strive little kids at home my four i have four adopted kids man and uh, they need the structure and if i give them one day without it 
they're going to run me over. So, so I get that as a classroom teacher, especially at the elementary level, little kids, man, they, they need, they need structure, but you can still have fun. And so I think you have to start there, but, but really think about giving permission to teachers and, and then work with those who are just not sure of how to do that because they never have, they never have done that before. So that's key, man. Awesome, brother. So, hey, Jeff, can you see that, which I just put up on the screen? Yeah, the educator's keys. Yeah, so the reason I say that is this is a piece of content, but you walked right into it. And I'm not saying, I'm not setting you up. What I'm saying is you walked right into a perfect segue yeah. to this, right? So, so here's what I always say. The educator's keys, I believe when every one of us first gets in education, first career, second career, third career, alternate, after military, it doesn't matter. But I believe most educators come in knowing in our educator keys, it's like our heart, that we're going to have to build relationships and empathize and love and care about kids. But I think, unfortunately, teacher preparation and college courses do not prepare us for all of those necessary. And then reality comes in, and here comes the, the fourth key. This is where content comes in on your key ring, right? So, you know, Jeff, you're, you know, you're like, hey, here, Mr. Curtis, here's the keys to your room, but don't forget the keys to success when, you know, is you got to build relationship and empathize, love and care and connect with kids, but don't forget about content. But I love what you just said, Jeff, and here's what's interesting. You said three days. A lot uh-huh. of school districts I work, they're like, look, first five days of schools, you can work on these keys. You see it as a visual? Yep. So there, and I know our, our listeners can't see it, but basically what I'm, I'm showing through the screen is first five days of school, we're going to let you work on building relationships, empathy, loving, and caring about kids. But after the first five days of school, notice that we're getting busy to content. And this is primarily, we talk about the high school, but we talk about content is key. And then what happens is, as you just pointed out, if I'm not an administrator that empowers my teachers by, and again, I know you've heard me say this, power and permission. If, if Dr. Prickett does not stand in front of us as a staff and says, hey guys, even after the first three to five days, I want you to consistently come back and revisit those other keys. Because if you don't revisit those other keys, what's going to happen? We're going to go content heavy, right? And then all of a sudden, we're going to go into something completely different. And then we're going to lose focus. And and to give you one more visual, Jeff, to kind of support this, I developed what I call the three zones of learning. And the three zones of learning, as you can see, are just simply content, correct, and connect, right? And then what happens is, is these are like three cylinders of an engine on Dr. Prickett's campus, and I can promise you they are. And here's what's interesting. Number one cylinder, look what I made, Jeff. It's content. Content is the largest cylinder of a three-cylinder engine by far because content and curriculum is, again, the main driver of the medium of what we're supposed to do by giving this information to help our students academically be successful for the future. That, and this is also the number one cylinder that every school in America is evaluated surrounding content and oh, curriculum, all right? right? The number two cylinder is correct. Now, correct is a smaller cylinder, but this is where disproportionality, this is where attendance, this is where behavior, uh, discipline, all, all those things come into play. And then what happens is, Jeff, this is where we have to have a plan of action to make sure that this is reduced because this is also the second area that every school in America is evaluated around. But the third area, the third cylinder is connect. And notice, Jeff, that it's the same size as the smaller cylinder. But on the third cylinder, the connect, this is where most campuses don't give that permission that you mentioned. There's no accountability surrounding this. There's no relationship reports, accountabilities for connections. So then what happens is, is 
when you've become a leader and you've empowered your staff and you've modeled this for them, Jeff, they're running on all three cylinders. But right. what happens when campuses, and I, was, I will own this, as a campus administrator, I'm only accountable for content and correct because those are the areas I'm evaluated in. The state and the systems don't evaluate me in relationships and connections. I know they're important, but if I'm not held accountable for those pieces, then ultimately what happens is, is now I'm just a bunch of talk. And then when it really comes back to it, I, I abandon those approaches because for me, there's no accountability surrounding that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you, that you, you know, you, you preach and talk about five days, you know, and then, and then to circle back to that throughout the year, I promise educators that those five days, you're not going to lose anything. Right. You're going to gain, actually, because, you know, the, the old mantra of of they're not going to listen to you unless they know that you care. Right. They're not going to learn anything from you unless they know that you care. You, mm-hmm. you People have heard that over and over again and, until they're probably tired of it. But I, it can't be more true. It can't be more true. The more you spend up front. The, the, on the back end, you're going to get so much more in return. And then circle back, like you said, keep cycling back to that all year long. The best educators know, know, know are, are, are just it's a, are, are know how to do that, you know? No, and what you just said, Jeff, is right. I always say, uh, you know, let's just go with 10%. 10% of your educators, you never even have to tell them anything. It's right. the classrooms you never go to, Jeff. It's the classrooms that you rarely have to support with discipline. Um, their scores are amazing. The cl- Everybody's on time to their class because they want to get there. Like, you just know those teachers get it. It's those other, pre- those other teachers that are going... I hear this, but I, I'm struggling with the pressures that are put around me in education because I, I know the value of, of relationships because I, I, I will own it, Jeff. When I was a principal, I, 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 I was guilty of like at the end of my email or at the end of a faculty meeting saying, hey, don't forget to connect with kids or, you know, don't forget those yeah. relationships are important. But as I reflect now as a leader in education, leading campuses and districts in a, in a how-to way to do this, I look back and said, I was a lot of talk. And I'm not saying you are, Jeff. I'm saying I, I, get it. I, I was a lot of like, I, I, was, I was bullhorning it and saying, yes, don't forget those connections. And I think the biggest compliment I've ever received in this world of consulting was a principal said, I've been a principal for 20 years. And he said, I have preached about the importance of relationships, but I've never been able to tell them how until now. Yeah. And, and to me, that's the biggest gap difference, Jeff, because if they come to you and say, well, how do you want me to build relationships? It's like, just get to know your kids. You know, just, yeah. just you know, we have, we have a lot of uh, just gray areas of this, like, you know, just get to know them, do it fun activity, do these things. But what teachers are is they're really good soldiers. Dr. Prickett, just tell me what to do. And if we don't tell them what to right. do, right. they're just, they're going to go into default and they're going to go into panic and paralyzation. And they're just going to go, I'm oh. going to go back to content. That's so easy for anyone to do, though, right? Because you get lost in the mire of of your day to day work, and and like you mentioned, this is what they're evaluated on. You know, you can't. You, you know, you, it's so hard for them because if they don't get to the content and the kids don't hit the SLO, then then the teacher doesn't get the rating. 
you know, and, yeah. they're working, and they need their job to survive. So I get where the fear comes in. And, and that I, fear is real. And I didn't mean to cut oh, you off. Yeah. I apologize. No, but I would just say, Jeff, that what I've been able to do lately is really step into their shoes and go, oh my God, this anxiety, this fear of what if I do focus on relationships and it somehow affects me professionally in a negative way, but then then I'm, I'm, my job's at jeopardy and I was doing what I was told, but there's no right. accountability. There's no rubric of success for relationships. So therefore, and that's why I'm really pushing for, you don't necessarily need a rubric or a paradigm, like I don't need quantitative and qualitative data. I think if we are asking our teachers as leaders this week, how are you building and sustaining relationships? And I use the word sustain, Jeff, because I think we're really, we're really good at building stuff in education. And then straight, we struggle at sustaining because that means yeah. now that that's got to be in the fabric of what we do and not just one thing, one more thing on our plate. Would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. It's so true. It's, it, you, you remind me of like a, a professional development. You know, we are really good at building it. We're really good at providing it one time. You know, we don't come back to that throughout the year. We, we check it off a box. We do it at the beginning of the year and we don't have a continuous plan or a continuous cycle of action to make sure that what we've said was so important that we had to provide you with a whole day of PD around. We never hit it again that year. Yeah. And, 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 and I've been there too. I have brought PDs to my campus in the past. I agree. And, and now I sit back and I get almost offended at times where I'm like, you just want me to be a one and done. You, you want me to come in for six hours and do what? Like change the world in six hours and then leave you and y'all never hear from you again. And, right. and, and to be honest, I, I, I try to steer away from those moving forward just for the fact that, and I'm going to be very transparent here, Jeff. I don't, I don't want the money. I don't, I don't want the money. I, I want to make a difference and I want you to make an investment in me. And if you make an investment in me, I'm going to make an investment in you. Yeah. That means I'll offer you PDs for way discounted or whatever you can afford as long as I know your why is right. And so when I've observed, this is me, Jeff, I, I have much, I have many pieces of data that we are used with districts that they share back with us. But the one piece of data that I have learned and I observed is simple as this. When a principal, not assistant principal, when the principal has two feet in in a relational approach with their staff and with that expectation of their students, they're successful with or without me. But I was the assistant principal piloting this. And what I really learned is I could be the most passionate assistant principal, Jeff, and I could take you to the 20-yard line, to the red zone, but I can't get you in the end zone, right? Yeah. The principle is the number one indicator on whether you can truly shift a staff and culture. What are your thoughts on that? I, I agree. I was just having a conversation uh, with another colleague about that today. He was talking about how he had attempted the assistant superintendency and hated it because it was all the responsibility without any authority, Mm. <laughs> so, so I equate that to, you know, to, I mean, yes, we all have our roles An assistant principal, a great assistant principal it really has, it, it, you cannot function without one, but the same thing. I mean, 
maybe perhaps all the responsibility without the authority to make the final decision, or in this case, have that have that authoritative influence over people. You know, if I'm standing out the back door greeting kids and teachers every every day, um, people are going to people people notice that. I walk down the hall at a fast pace one day, people are going to notice that. You know, they're going to think something's wrong because I never walk at a fast pace in the hallway, right? So, I mean, it, it's it's the influence. It's the influence that you have from the top. I believe that the um, the, the principal has uh, can make or break that. Absolutely. So, so then, Jeff, thinking about it, uh, and again, remind me, what is what year is this for you in education? In education, 24. Yeah. So this is 24. So if you look back at Jeff... Prickett before he's Dr. Prickett and and really in these leadership roles, when you look at leading, particularly not classroom teacher, when you look at leading and you think about where you're at now, where you were years ago, what is something that you reflect on and you think, man, I've really grown in this area? Wow. You know what? I think that that, um, voice comes to mind you know my voice comes to mind i and it doesn't have anything to do with the doctorate kevin it has it has everything to do with power of connection the people that you know the people that you are in touch with the people that lift you up the people that influence you because i really did not think my voice mattered or that that people weren't listening when i spoke it was only listen i'm going to be 50 years old this year and entering in this is year 24 for me and it was only in the last few years where i realized that wow my voice matters and and, as opposed to do they really want me to speak up do they really want me to say something yeah i i was again i was having a conversation with another colleague this morning about that topic about voice and about about how she didn't feel like like her voice mattered until recently, and then all of a sudden people are like, "Hey, will you speak here for us? Will you? What what are your thoughts on that?" And I I, I can't agree more with that. That it's just something that clicked all of a sudden one day, and I do believe that it, it's probably the power of of connection and the people that that I've come in contact with that have lifted me up and and fed into me. And made me realize that we really need to hear your voice. Hmm. That's a big change for me. So if Jeff Prickett today could go back and whisper one thing to Jeff Prickett, the first year administrator, what would you tell yourself? I I would say you matter. (laughs) I I would say it over and over and over again. You matter and you are supposed to be here and you, you, we need to hear your voice. I mean, that's so, it's so critical that you need, people need somebody to tell them that and to keep reminding them of that. Okay, so for- that's good. So Jeff, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go even further outside the box. I'm gonna flip it. What if the old Jeff Prickett could come back and whisper something to you today? What would your old self tell your new self? Shut up and listen. <laughs> Seriously, man. I, sometimes I talk too much. (laughs) 
and that's that's on me. I, I get it. I you know what I, I was the lead singer in a, in a couple of metal bands um, for for a number of years, and I think that that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, and also my downfall because I really like to hear myself talk sometimes. <laughs> hey man, um, I, I I'm gonna be right there with you. Maybe I, that's I, why we're podcasters. Maybe why? Maybe that's why. Um, and it's crazy because some people can get on and say, let's you know, let's let's quickly talk about this, and I'm like before you know it i'm if you get you give me passionate i'll it'll take i'll just spend five minutes and but no jeff that's a, that's a really really good reflective and i and i like to ask that question because i think sometimes you know if i had to go back like right now just where i'm at now if i went back and said my first year as administrator i would like to say those things but if i could tell myself one thing is is um be true to yourself you know, like, yeah. I think I, the reason I say that is, is because as we mentioned prior to recording on the show, I think I lost who I was as I started to grow in leadership and as an administrator, because I believe that sometimes we grow into what we think the school system wants us mm-hmm. to be or shapes us in. And, and I call that the box. And as I mentioned to you earlier, it wasn't until I realized the box stole my why. Mm. The box of suspension, detention, teachers unhappy, morale, low test scores, like all of these, the box was just, had drained this little fourth grade boy who wanted to be a teacher and a a high school graduate, wanted to be a high school coach. Like the box drained me. And I wish, I I wish, I, I don't regret the jump in coming out and making a difference, but I just wish that I could have enjoyed particularly the last five years in the public school because the, it, I, I just, I like this, I got to get outside this box, the box. I wish I would have just stayed a little bit true to myself. What, what do you think on that? Man, I, I think that that is so true. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've been trapped inside um, this. Well, let's just go with the box analogy mm-hmm. trapped inside this box, worrying about what other people thought about me what other people think about me, if, I, if what I say is stupid, if what I'm doing, who, who agrees with me, you know, and needing that approval for whatever reason and not getting back to my root of why I'm doing this in the first place, and that is to make a difference in kids' lives, you know, to, to, really, to, to really do something impactful. And the times that I was doing that and feeling really good about it because I could see a difference in other people is when I didn't care what other people thought about me. Mm. I didn't care what other people thought about what I was going to say. I was going to do it at, at whatever cost because it was right for my school community, right for my kids, right for my teachers, right for those students' parents. Even if, even if, even if somebody said, why are you doing that? You know, I, I, I had to not care about that. And so if, if I can continue to remind myself that that that's who I'm about, you know, and I know how to do that. We mm-hmm. turned an elementary school around. It took eight years, mm-hmm. but we took we took them took them from the bottom. Do you remember AYP adequate mm-hmm. yearly progress mm-hmm. when that was in place? We were the only elementary school in the district the year that I left. Only elementary school in the district meeting AYP in every single category across every grade every tested grade level, and the only thing we worried about was culture. That's mm. the only change we made. The only change. 
And that's crazy because if you kind of look at what I give you earlier, the three zones, and you can have more, but what those three zones encompass is culture, right? I mean, if we're if we're focusing on relationships and content and accountability, like all, and 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 and, and I remember listening to your story, Jeff. I also, you you you. I love the honesty and the vulnerability of you're like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Let me tackle that middle school job, right? The one that was a challenge. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> so what was, your, what, is, what was your aha about that middle school job when you were like, okay, maybe I bit off a little bit more than I could chew? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, um, okay, so, so moving from that elementary school to the middle school level, which I had done middle school before, but only as an assistant principal, only as a dean. You know, you assistant principals and deans never see everything that the principal has to deal with or do, never. And it's not, not, not by anyone's fault, it's just by design. Everyone's got the role. Mm-hmm. So when I decided to walk into the superintendent's office and say, why don't I give this a shot? <laughs> and, she, and then she answered me, okay. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Seriously? What? <laughs> I had been in the district eight years already. I thought I knew the district. So I went over there across town and we started doing some things and I started pushing my agenda, but that was my downfall. I started pushing my agenda, forgot to listen and really understand what that staff and that community needed. I was really good for those kids, right? no doubt. I'm going to be good for kids wherever, but I forgot to listen to the staff right? and, and, and really not really understanding the culture of the middle school. So I redeemed myself, though, because once I left there on my own accord, I, I took over another middle school and stayed there for three years. And really, we really got into some really good things there before uh, I was called to take on this high school. So do you feel like the difference? But, you know, just yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you feel like the difference between the two middle school leadership experiences, did you take, were you able to reflect on some of your shortcomings and then apply that into the new setting for the other middle school? Oh, sure. I I don't think, I don't think my teachers would, would, I don't think they would all agree with that statement because I I went in pretty, I went in pretty hard and, and, and uh, because I had this vision, you know, I, I just have, I get, I get, this vision in my head. And, and that's my other downfall. You know, I need people around me who, who are the detailed people and can say, what are you, what are you even talking about? <laughs> you know, and say, come back to earth, Jeff, come back to earth. Uh, because at one point during that, my first year at that, at that middle school where I stayed for three years, she came to me and said, are we really doing things that bad? Huh. And, I, and it just hit me like, Holy cow, what am I what am I doing? I need to I need to slow down. I need to stop and listen because it's that wasn't it. They were fantastic. Their scores were up at the top. I mean, and it's because they built relationships with kids and then tackled the instruction. Right. They knew how to they knew how to do that. So my 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 challenge was how do we take a, a in middle school that's performing in the 95th percentile, you know, the top percentile? Right. And, and where do you go next after that? And I thought I had this all these great ideas, which which they were great, you know, but but I went about it the wrong way. You know, I, I needed to slow down, take a step back, bring more people in, which we did. And, and I, I left there on a, on a good, good note. So, 
Yeah. I, I was introduced to this statement. I don't know if you've ever heard this yet, but uh, some, there's a graveyard sometimes and it says a great idea, poor implementation, you know, oh, on, yeah, the, sure. on the headstones, right? Sure. Because I'm, I'm like you, I'm a, I'm a visionary, very creative. And I have surrounded my people with the exact same thing. They're like, Kevin, you have these great ideas, but how are they going to come to fruition? How, you know, how they're realistically going to come to fruition in the, in the systems or whatever that is. And, and I think that's the coaching background. I mean, I, I, I like the X's and O's. And as I took coaching into administration and leadership, I would come in and say, what's the system we're doing with books or what are we doing with over here? And let me see if I can't tweak it and enhance it. And, and, and that was my forte is taking current systems and reevaluating them and, and repurposing them and, and, and allowing them to just kind of grow. And that was my niche. And so I, I definitely get that. So then, Jeff, when you think about the different levels that you've been at, I want to jump back down to the elementary because I will tell you, this was me. It's October of 2007. I'm coaching varsity Texas football on a Friday night. I have interviewed for the assistant principal job. Now, this is not replacing someone. This was a brand new position because they had met the threshold of like six or 700 students. And so they were going to add in, uh, they called it a VP, vice principal at the time. And so I knew I got the job. But they were like, hey, it's varsity football season. You know how it is in Texas and football. They were like, we, you know, we may wait till the end of the season. We don't know. They had given me an idea of maybe three weeks or well, ended up being three days. <laughs> so on Friday night, I'm coaching football after the game. We lose our game which is, I hope has no impact on this decision. But all of a sudden they said, hey, Kevin, on Monday morning, um, you can start reporting to the elementary part-time. We're, we're going to get you covered. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, they were like, I said, what happened to three weeks? They were like, well, they want you over there. And again, I don't know what conversations happen at central office sometimes, but you know, people make decisions. And once they make decisions, you're just going to follow through. Yeah. The reason I say this, Jeff, is I went from, you know, 15 to 18 year olds to five to eight year olds. And whoo, um, I don't know about you, but I walked in the building on Monday morning, nervous, wearing a tie. I hadn't worn a tie in a long time, unless it's an athletic banquet or, or you know, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm coming in the building, but I'm excited. And, but I'm coming in, Jeff, and I'm like, oh, good morning, everybody. And they're just, I'm like, what do I do? They're just like, walk around and let the kids see you, you know, like get to know you, right? So I'm walking around, I'm like, good morning, good morning. And a couple of teachers were like, hey, Mr. Curtis, welcome to the campus. You may want to try using your inside voice. <laughs> I was like, the hell is an inside voice? I'm a football coach on Friday nights, right? Like there is no, and, yeah, but, yeah. but that just... That let me know. I was. I will tell you. I started having to open up cat ketchup packets at lunch with scissors. There was just like this elementary realm. Teachers walked them everywhere. There were bubbles and tails. There were so many different things. And I just. I literally after the first week and said, I don't know if I could do this job. What was some of the biggest takeaways from you being at the elementary that you saw? Man, so that that's a great question. And, I, and people ask me that a lot too. You know, and so. And I, I, I started the opposite from you. You know, I started at elementary and then moved up to middle school and then up to high school. Not by design. That's just it's just how it happened. Mm -hmm. you no. Know? So but elementary school, I mean, I've always said and elementary teachers know this to be true, that the, you know, elementary kids are very much like elementary teachers. You know, and so that there's a there's a mirroring aspect from elementary kids to teachers, middle school kids and teachers, high school kids and teachers. Elementary teachers are, are there from sun up to sundown, and sometimes I have to kick them out. You know, elementary kids love school, right? They love you. They wanna they wanna be there all the time. Go to high school. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, we, we have to argue with kids to be at school. I'm not, I'm not saying we have to argue with teachers to be at school, but you know, it's very, it's very different unless you coach or you're an activity sponsor at the high school. Right. You're, pretty much, you're pretty much your bell to bell because that's your job responsibility and they do it well. Yes. I'm not saying, I'm not saying they don't plan uh, outside of school hours because Lord knows I know that they do. But it was, it's just funny. It was a funny takeaway. You know, I, I was very involved in every decision at the elementary and middle school level as well. They came to me for everything, especially elementary. I was directly involved. High school? Man, I have to track people down to be able to say what's going on. <laughs> it's just because it's just because the different layers, you know, I've got my assistant superintendent and then I've got our divisional chairs or a lot of high schools, their department chairs and the department chairs go right to the assistant superintendent. They don't they they bypass me, not because they don't like me. Well, I, right. hope they don't. I hope they like <laughs> me, but they don't need me. You know, they can they they're mostly curricular decisions because remember content. Right. Yeah. We talked about content. So yeah. because their curriculum decisions, they, they, they just bypass me because they're going to get a quicker answer from the assistant superintendent. So that, I, you know, I end up being like, hey, what's what's going on with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 man. Fault. It's just the system. No, but I will tell you, you mentioned something earlier that, that uh, flipped the switch for me because I left the elementary and became a middle school or a junior high principal. And one of the things that I started to recognize is I, and then I went to back to being an assistant principal at the middle school. So here's one thing that you mentioned, getting high school kids prepared. Well, I took the same thing, Jeff, down to middle school. And the reason I say that is in Texas, primarily, and I'm just going to use stereotype, typically, let's just say fifth grade goes to elementary and then sixth, seventh, and eighth grade is the typical middle school. Sometimes yeah. it's seventh and eighth. But my point is this, is I started noticing a trend as a middle school leader that the elementary does a, such a phenomenal job, as you mentioned earlier, teaching them to walk on the right-hand side, you know, to, to bubbles of, of holding their breath in the hallway so that they're being quiet, How, you, what voice levels look like, all of these things. Like, they do the fundamentals so well, then all of a sudden, we move them to middle school and we tell them, all right, go to class. Here's a locker, go to class. And the kids are looking like college students on the first day. They're like looking around with their schedule. They don't know where to go. They went, if they didn't go to sixth grade orientation, you know, kind of like a oh, fish yeah. camp for high school. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I look at it and I'm like, why don't we do a better job? Because these kids, we're kicking them to pasture and then you run and then they watch the seventh and eighth graders act up and run to class and do everything else. And before you know, sixth graders are like, I can sit anywhere I want at lunch, even next to the girls now, you know, or boys or my friends or whatever. And there's all of a sudden these freedoms and choices, but we, we don't teach expectations. We just expect them to know how to act and how to get to class. And so the same gap that you described getting this high school students ready, I think we should take into consideration as we're transitioning elementary kids to middle school. Sure. We, I, think, I think it's too big of a gap, particularly for a lot of the learning curves that we're expecting middle school students to do. What are your thoughts on that? It's a huge gap, man. You know, so so just my example that I that I give a lot is um, when I came to the high school. It is it is the town that I live in, and so my son was here. I was I was my son's principal for two years. We had a great time. It was fan, it was fantastic. Um, he would believe believe me. He would tell you the same thing. I'm not lying about that. We had a great time because, but I told teachers here like uh, my son is 17, 18 years old, don't tell me that he should know better because mm -hmm. he doesn't know better. 
you know, we expect kids to going back to the whole conversation about how we prepare kids for the next, for each next level of schooling. Mm-hmm. We're, we need to do a better job of preparing kids, even high schoolers, because we're telling them to raise their hand still and get a, get a, you know, we tell a high school senior to get, grab a hall pass to go to the bathroom, but after school, they're going to a job and, and, and babysitting their younger siblings and, and being an adult. And yet we can't trust them to go to, down the hallway without a pass. So we know that where they're going. You know, it's just some of this stuff, some of this stuff floors me, you know. So yeah. I, I think that um, the orientation process, that's why orientations are in place, right? The sixth grade orientation so that mm-hmm. the kids can spend. And we, we enhanced that. We went from an hour to, to creating a half day experience for them so that they could sit in classes and go to a rotation of different teachers' classrooms, have lunch in the cafeteria so they could see what the lunchroom was like at, when, when they got to middle school. Um, so we tried to do some of that. We, we had, we had uh, our eighth graders prepare presentations and take we took them on a tour you know we went to hit every elementary school in the district so that they could give this presentation of what middle school is like and then they could do a Q&A with small groups of elementary fifth graders to kind of prepare them for that but you know it, it's still not enough and so one thing that I'm excited about in our district is that we are we are we're a two high school district and we next year we're, we're getting ready to turn my campus into a freshman center mm. And the West Campus into the Upper Campus, so all the tenth and twelfth graders. And why I think that's a great deal is that these teachers and these kids in this community, for the first time, will be able to experience high school in the same school together. Right now, they go to two separate high schools after middle school. Mm. They're all going to start high school right here at the ninth grade center, and teachers are going to be able to do some really cool things to prepare them for what it, what high school looks like before they get up there with the older kids where you have the inf- different influences and different types of role models and teach them some really good habits here at the, at the freshman campus. So I'm, I'm excited about that. No, that's really, Oh, I love that. I love that concept. Yeah. So I was working with uh, Binghamton, New York and Binghamton city schools for five years. And yeah. one of the things that we attempted to do was um, with the blessing of the superintendent, I was able to grab sixth grade teachers, go down to the feeder elementaries and we did classroom community building circles where we would have fifth graders ask questions like what, you know, what does a passing period look like? What does this look like? And the takeaway we took was a lot of anxiety when we mm-hmm. took a kind of a pulse at the beginning of the conversation and a pulse at the end. You could see that they felt just a little bit more comfortable about entering that sixth grade. So even if it's just a having a teacher come down and have those conversations to yeah. make and they said, hey, don't forget, I'm going to be one of the faces in the hallway. I may not be your teacher, but I, I want you to know that you have a person that you know their name and that you can sure. connect with with questions and those types of things. And I love the intentionality of when we put those types of structures, particularly reducing anxieties by increasing connections um, from one kid, from leaving for the next kid, you know, from one kid campus to the next. So I think, I think that your, your, your idea, your, your district's idea of having the ninth grade campus and then moving into the secondary other levels, that's going to be really, really powerful to give them a, a foundation of what high school is really like. And I just tell them you need grace and freshmen. Oh, yeah. And that's, what's funny, Jeff, I will tell you, I tell people all the time, if you've never taught high school, freshmen are the very unique animals in the animal kingdom of oh, yeah. high school. They are completely different breed of animals in high schools. And so they need at times their own campus and their own support system until they can really get their feet wet and really start to understand what high school is about. 
I agree, man. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be a good experience for them. And and uh, like you said, you use the word intentional. We we can do some very intentional things differently than we are currently doing with freshmen. So. So what do you think this, Jeff? Have you ever had a teacher situation where you were asked to be involved as an administrator? So it could be as a principal or assistant principal, but you look back at the situation and you realize that what was really at the issue was a fracture or a lack of relationship that was at the core of this issue that the teacher was bringing you, the student or the referral or whatever the situation was, but your job was to support them. Can you think of, and again, not mentioning names, but can you just think of a teacher situation where maybe the lack of connection to relationships was part of what was going on with the whole referral or, or situation? Absolutely. And, and can you think of a situation where you may have help the teacher realize that in, in, in your own very Dr. Prickett way? Absolutely, man. It, and it, it, it happened uh, early on in my elementary school career, actually, my, when I was an elementary school principal. Uh, a teacher brought a, a, a kid to me for stealing, stealing food out of the cafeteria. And, um, and uh, on, on, at first glance, you're like, okay, well, that's, that's wrong. We have to teach this child not to do that. And, and um, the teacher wanted me to give her a consequence so that the, we could make sure that she didn't steal again. So m my thought, remember, I, I came from middle school dean and AP background before this. This is probably my first year as an elementary principal. So my thought was, well, I can't suspend this kid like I would do a middle schooler. She's a second grader, right? So I got to figure out a different way to handle this. So I talked to her and then I send her back to class. Well, teacher is mad at me for, for that, first of all, because um, you're going to talk to her. That's your idea of a consequence. Well, sure enough, it backfired on me because the next day the kid steals again from the cafeteria. So I thought, okay, this, this, before this gets out of hand, I have got to first support the teacher and, and also really find out what's going on with this child, right? So you talk about restorative, finding out the root cause of the problem. I, so I kind of tailed the kid. I, I followed her. I went to see what she was doing in the morning. It was, it was happening in the morning in the cafeteria where we served breakfast. So she would grab her breakfast and then she would wait till the cook was had turned her back and she would sneak another milk or another donut or whatever it is that they were serving. She'd walk up the stairs and around the corner, her mother was waiting for her. She would give the food to her mom. And so I, I, we finally had a conversation. They didn't, they didn't have food in the house. So she was bringing food to her mom to give to the baby brother, the little, little two-year-old, the toddler. So, man, I mean, what, so as soon as I figured that out, you know, of course, let the teacher know she's still kind of, well, she's got to learn. And so there's my teaching opportunity with, with, the, with the staff. Like we have got to provide kids with their basic resources if we expect them to learn anything here, right? And so just working with the kitchen and working with the district to, to make sure that kids have food no matter what, even if they didn't have money, right? How, so how do you do that? Now, you know, this was, it wasn't before free and reduced lunch options because I'm in, it wasn't the cave days, but we didn't have a good system set up in the district for that. And so we wouldn't allow kids if they weren't on free and reduced to, to get food. Uh, but the, we, we needed to come up with a way and we did that. We were able to solve that. So that was, in, that was crazy. That was intense. Wow. Um, no, I, I, I just, it's so interesting, Jeff, because what you just 
demonstrated is what I try to bring to the forefront in some of the trainings. And we simply actually do a quick activity and it's called the needs map. And, and all it is, Jeff, it literally, it's a circle where you put the student's name in the middle yeah. and it has four lines drawn out to four corners. And in four corners, it has four little circles. And it says, what does this student need in order to be successful on your campus uh, or, or your classroom, right? And when I do this activity, Jeff, I don't typically take just the little girl that stole twice. I actually have the participants choose their most challenging kids, the ones that you've like, okay, we've exhausted everything and we couldn't figure out how to help this kid be successful. Yeah. And, and let's just be really direct. They're not really thinking academics, they're thinking behavior, right? And sure. so what's interesting is when you ask this question, Jeff, to your staff, what does this student need in order to be successful? Well, you can pause just what you did for that question, Jeff. What does this little girl need in order to, what does she need so that she doesn't, so she stops stealing? That's an outcome, right? Right. And so what's interesting is, is this, Jeff, when we do this activity, this is probably the most profound part of the training. I do it towards the end because I lead up to it. When every educator writes down four needs of their most challenging kids, what they need more than anything else, and you, and you listen to them and say, give me one, give me one, give me one. And then I have, it, I have you as a principal, I said, collect these sheets and, and make a gallery walk where you can put them all on chart paper. I want everybody to see. Well, right now when we're in Zoom, I'm like, throw them in the chat so everybody can see them on a virtual training, right? But here's what happens, Jeff. When we ask this question and we say, what does your most difficult student need more than anything else to be successful on your campus? Nobody, and I mean not one single educator, writes down a traditional consequence as a need. Wow. Nobody. Nobody, Jeff. Well, because think about it. How could they? Well, no, because think about it, Jeff. The student didn't need a suspension. What the student needed was food, support, Maslow's needs, right? But the reason I love that, I love leading up to that activity, Jeff, is, is because for those teachers that said he or she needs a consequence, I tell them, he or she is probably going to still receive more traditional consequences than anyone else on your mm -hmm. campus. And why? Because the box tells you so. And, you're, and, you, and your old playbook tells you so. So that's fine. But I just need you to understand that the reason that the reason the reason why your student is still the most challenging student even after you give the consequences is because those needs are not met yeah period and, and it and it becomes then they leave the training going so what am i supposed to do if you don't come up with a plan for those four needs and my needs for my student was a better mom jeff i don't i don't hold back I go, he needs a better mom. He needs a role model. He needs, a, he needs to find his voice and he needs to be held accountable for his behavior. So for me, if I don't come up with a plan to meet those four needs, Jeff, that student will never change their behavior consistently enough to where we can meet the expectation to be successful on our campus. So what you just demonstrated with that grace and understanding is getting to the root of the issue and saying, what does our student need? She's stealing because she has a need a primary need of survival for food versus a student who's just stealing to sell stuff or, or you know, just has a, a feeling of I get the highest stealing and those types of things. What, what are your thoughts when you hear that, Jeff? Sure. My, well, you know, what I was just thinking was that um, where, where do relationships fit in there? You know, I, I don't know that that teacher needed to bring me that student. 
You know, if you have, if, if a teacher has a relationship with a kid, you, you can probably knock out a lot of the um, discipline or admin referrals because you will be able to get to the root of the problem yourself. And so, I, listen, I, I know this is tough. I know that it's time consuming. Relationship building takes time. It takes time. And, and, and you could sit there and tell me that, well, I don't have time f- for that. You know, and I'm going to sit there and tell you, well, then it's like you just said, it's going to keep happening again and again and again because their needs are not going to be met. Period. Yeah. Well, I, and when you do, the, you do the food story about the young lady that was stealing, I was an eighth grade assistant principal. I was assistant principal primarily responsible for eighth grade. You know how we do that, alpha grade yep. levels. Yep. And so, yeah. so, so, so just realize grade level split. And, and I don't know about your experience, and this is my personal opinion, so you don't have to agree with me, but I will tell you sixth grade teachers are much different than eighth grade teachers. Oh. Um, sixth, sixth grade teachers are like an extension of elementary. For sure. And, and eighth grade teachers, in my opinion, please don't take that as, as, as this is detrimental or like an extension of high school teachers, right? They're very, very content King driven. The reason yeah. I say this is, is I, I had an algebra teacher that had at a three years of algebra passing rate of our, our state assessment test for, for, for algebra in eighth grade, a hundred percent passing rate in three years, phenomenal teacher. In other words, I don't care what she's doing. I'll be honest. I don't care if you've done relationships or not with that success. And, and, and Jeff, I never come to her class. So, hey, whatever Miss Algebra is doing, I love it. But one day, Jeff, one flipping day, I get a kid that comes down to my office, has me a post-it note, and it says, this student was disrespectful, off-task and disrespectful. (laughs) Handle it. And I'm like, and I look down, and it's from Miss Algebra. And I'm thinking, whoa. And I'm thinking, like you do, Jeff, we know the teachers that never send us kids. We're like, we need to support this teacher. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So here you are in my shoes, Jeff. And I'm like, all right, tell me what's going on. He's like, well, you know, I didn't eat last night, and I, I haven't eaten since yesterday. Um, I was having a hard time focusing. And, I, and, and here's the backstory. Our math classes are the only double block subject at middle school. So it's 90 minutes of consecutive math. So 90 minutes of algebra, first thing in the morning, first and second period, and he has no food in his belly since yesterday. So he said, I was having a hard time focusing. And, you know, the reason that she's successful is because she's on her kids, very military sure. regiment, and she's successful. But she's on it, but he can't focus. So therefore her being on him eventually pushed him. And I said, so what does it look like disrespect? She goes, well, I told her, you know, just leave me alone and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, he was like, so she told me to get out. And I said, okay. I said, so what I'm hearing is, and the other thing I know, the reason she's also successful is rarely people leave her class. So if you're covering content, you're not going to miss anything, right? Right. And so in my mind, I said, hey, I don't want to mess up her scores and I don't want you to be the one to mess up. So guess what? Let's get you back in class. But you know what? Before you get back in class, there's no way I'm going to sit you back in there without any food, right, Jeff? So I'm like, hey, now remember where I live, San Antonio, Texas. And I will just tell you, I don't know about your school, but we always have breakfast tacos somewhere around that building. And so I'm just, I stick my head literally yeah. out, out of my office into the, into the center where my secretary and they were at. And I was like, hey, anybody have a breakfast taco? She's like, yeah, I got a bacon, egg and cheese. I'm like, perfect bacon, egg, and cheese taco. And as I said, grab this, and I'm walking with me. I said, come on, I want to get you back to class, Jeff. So this is kind of discipline on the go, right? And as we're eating the taco, we're walking down to the cafeteria. And I went down there and I said, ladies, can I have a couple of those two little, those orange juices, you know, the little tiny orange yeah, juices? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, other than the color orange, they're filled with what? Sugar. What's low right now? He's Even though he's not diabetic, his blood sugar is low, right? So I said, all right, finish your taco. As we're walking, he drinks the four, two juices. I literally walk him back to class, Jeff, and I open the door and I just wave at her and, and she doesn't come to talk to me. I'm not saying she should, but I'm like, okay, here you go. Like, good. 
Now, here's what I know. I can't tell you what happened transpired, but I do know that this question was asked. I have to imagine this kid, he told me, he's like, I, I came back in, Mr. Curtis, I was on point. I'm working, I'm doing my things, right? Yes. And Miss Algebra walks up and says, so uh, what happened? Now, I know that question got asked, Jeff, because I'm going to tell you the funny pun of yeah. this story. So she's like, what happened? And he's like, well, what do you mean? He was like, well, I went to see Mr. Curtis. Like, you're good now? She was like, yeah. So what happened? Well, he gave me a breakfast taco and some orange juices. You know where this is going, Jeff. I know right where this is going. And so all of a sudden... I don't know what was said for the rest of the grade level, but let's just imagine she's running around going, oh my God, I never sent anyone down to him. And what has he got? The flipping breakfast club down there. He's giving out breakfast tacos and orange juice, rewarding kids. And I never send him one. I'm never going to send this kid again and blah, blah. And, I, and here's how I know. I don't know anything about this question, Jeff. And here's the only reason why it comes to the surface. The very next day, I come into my office, like you're sitting at your desk right there. And there is a bag of breakfast tacos oh. and orange juices lined up on my desk with a note that says, in case you need to discipline any kids today. Woo. Woo. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Uh, Jeff. I, could, I wish I could make this stuff up. And this was funny. Ooh. This was pre-restorative. So I, I can just tell you, um, I, I definitely get it. I understand she wanted a consequence, but what that, re that, what that really kid needed was some breakfast, a, a good, good reminding of the success in her classroom and the expectations and just getting back in that classroom. And I don't want him to be unsuccessful, to be the one failing test person. You know? So I thought I was doing the right thing, but ultimately, sometimes for them, I always use this phrase in discipline, particularly with referrals, expectations lead to disappointment. Yeah, yeah. Listen, that, that's, uh, that has happened to me countless this times I can't tell you how many times that has happened to me and and just what we're talking about today you know with relationships if you have if you if you know your teachers well and, and that happens to you and you send them back to class and the and the the consequence was you know let's just say minor or or in the teacher's eyes not enough that teacher will know you well enough so relationships between you know teachers and kids, but also as, as building principal or building leaders, my relationships with my teachers. So if that teacher knows me and how I work and I send the kid back to class with maybe a minor consequence, you know, we'll have a conversation later and she'll maybe, or he will understand why I did what I did. And then we can, we can talk about it, you know, but, but they'll, they'll come at me with a different frame, you know, a frame of, of, you know, that I understand, but I need to ask a couple of questions, you know? No, and I totally agree with you, Jeff, but I think if you go one layer deeper on that, if you have a relationship with that student, then it's simple of what's going on today. That's it. What, yeah. tell, tell, I'm noticing that I've, I've redirected you a couple of times. This is not normal. So what's going on today? And if you could develop a small connection and a relationship bridge to go, okay, hey, I'm hungry I haven't eaten since yesterday. I promise you, you wouldn't send them to me and you wouldn't have this expectation. It starts I, there. I, I know. And that's, I think that's my whole point to this story. It's not, well, Curtis, you could have, you could have sure. walked him back and had a conversation with the teacher. And I, I get all these things. I'm just saying, what if we just had a genuine connection with the kid and we could just be like, Hey, what's going on today? Agreed. You know, I think it's that. And you say, is it that simple? Yeah. Because if the student trusts you, they'll tell you. 
And if they have a connection with you, they're going to trust you. And to me, um, unless they fear you, unless they fear like they're going to get in trouble, they're not going to be truthful with you. And so I think that's where it really starts. But keep some breakfast tacos in your drawer too. Uh, yes, I think the great educators keep food all around at any time. But um, yeah. hey, man, I know we've, we, we're running up on our hour, but I do want to get an opportunity for people to learn a little bit more about. So what I want them to learn about the podcast and what, yeah. you're, what you're excited about right now. And then I want people to know how they can get a hold of you. So let's, uh, let's update everybody about your podcast and what you're excited about in education right now. Absolutely. Uh, you know what I'm really excited about is is the is uh, I, I mentioned it earlier about the power of connection, and I have I have not seen that as strong as I have since the middle of March this past school year. Right. I, I, I'm I, not to downplay the devastation and destruction of COVID, but I've seen so much creativity and innovation all summer long. And as we as we start the school year, wherever districts are at, we're already back. We've been back for a few days. Teachers are so innovative and so creative and 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 um, in their innovate in their digital innovations and the things that they're doing with kids and their ways of connecting and and because we because because we've had to be so I, I I wonder you know I've wondered all summer like it, would we have would we have done this would we have been this creative would we have questioned the things that we're doing if if not for covid not that i'm saying i wish you know <laughs> that i'm glad covid was here because i'm definitely not right right but it has really caused us to think outside the box so i'm really excited in in education today to see how we end up and if when we get back to whatever normal is going to look like how normal it's actually going to be you know because i don't i don't think we're ever going back normal normal right i yeah. hope that i hope that districts and educators take a look at the things that have happened and say do we really need to do it that way or or should we be doing it a different way you know because we've been forced to what what can we what can we let go of and what can we start anew you know yeah, so, i think this is the perfect opportunity uh, this is the first opportunity that we can really blow up the box jeff sure and, and do it knowing hey how many people have said you can, I think if you talk to any human being right now, they're like, Hey, you guys, I know the, our kids are coming back mid pandemic. Are you going to fo- focus on relationships and connections and really allowing our students to feel welcomed and safe and, tr- you know, all these things. It's like, I, I have the, I, I finally have every person in America cheering behind my corner of going, yes, connections before content, relationships first, whatever the phrase you want to use. And they're saying, this is a must. This is a must going into it. So I think this is the perfect time to blow up the box, to rewrite our scripts, to give us a different idea to say, maybe we have, we can control alt delete and, and we can really come back in education and put things the way they should be. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. Totally. Totally. So how are you? So tell, tell us a little bit about your podcast and yeah. what you're hoping to do. And I've listened to a few episodes. I love it, but I just think it's you, you and Adam getting together, but, but tell people, I want people to leave our, this podcast and I want them to go listen to yours. So yeah, enlighten, enlighten us. Yeah. Thank you. Um, th- well, this started um, this summer you know, uh, out of uh, sitting around and needing a creative outlet. And so Adam DeWitt and I, my co-host and I, we've been friends for about 25 years. We started, we 
practically started teaching together and uh, I've always had this great ongoing conversation about education and and uh, I've always thought of like well how can we like make this conversation and like put it in, encapsulate it and, and allow people to hear it and we thought about writing a book and that didn't work out um, so we thought we said well we can we can start a podcast because he's up in northern Wisconsin safely tucked away behind the cheddar curtain, as he likes to say. So we, we started this podcast and, and it's called the Principal Leadership Lab, as you know. And um, we really, really want to um, intentionally bring on guests who uh, empower leaders, who can talk about things that they've gone through as a leader, things that they've wrestled with, things that they've struggled with, and how they've worked their way out of those issues. Because other leaders whether they're veteran or brand new, need to hear those stories, need to hear those experiences and, and so that they can learn from them. So we started the podcast. We've got a Facebook page as well, a Facebook group. I hope people go to those and, and uh, follow them and like them and, and check out some of the great content uh, that we've put out. We, we The Sarah Johnson episode is out right now. Uh, Quentin Lee, uh, he was on the show coming up. We've, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but on Monday, we drop new episodes every, every single Monday. And so Monday's another great one. Kevin, you're coming on the show. I think we're going to record your episode this week, man. Yep. No, I'm excited. Um, I I, I, yeah, I, 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 I believe that what you guys are doing in the lab part of it, because, sure. you know, when I, when I heard your guys intro about like, Hey, why we're calling it the principal lab where we experiment with things. Right. right. I tell people all the time in, I thought about this, Jeff, because when you and Adam were doing your intro, you, you mentioned, Adam mentioned, Hey, Jeff, don't forget about talking about your doctorate. And oh. the reason, no, the reason I say this, Jeff, is I want to be really honest and transparent here. I had every intention of going after a doctorate, a superintendency, you know, the, the traditional route of leadership growth. And then obviously God had a different plan and here I am without it and doing yeah. it completely outside of education. But, but I do honestly have to reflect at times, I'm glad I'm not Dr. Curtis. And let me tell you why. Because when I stand in front of teachers, and I hope that you can appreciate this, I just want to be plain old Mr. Curtis versus Dr. Curtis, because I think I just want people to hear me as the genuine, connect, and authentic guy versus somebody who has a doctorate. Sure. And, I, and I tell people all the time, you know, Kevin, you've published a book, you're an expert. And I said, nah, I'm not an expert. I'm experienced. And there's yeah. a huge difference between being an expert and being experienced. So what really resonated about the title of your podcast was the lab part. I tell people, the schools are my lab. Do you know how many districts I've jacked this up yes. in? I tell people, I'm an expert at jacking this up. I have jacked relationships up personally, professionally. I've gone into classrooms and I was all about circles. I was all about restorative justice. And then I went to restorative discipline and now I'm restorative practices. And now I've pushed circles to the back and it's very slow to this. And, and, and I just tell them these are all labs and so my lab is my culture my, my culture the campuses and the people that are willing to invest in me and my team despite us what it looks like in the lab and so realistically when I when I I really understood where you went with the title and everything that's what for me personally that's what drew me in 
That's awesome, man. That's and that was you know you you're right. That was very intentional. It it is a lab. We wanted to make sure that people knew it was a, a leadership lab where we wrestled with those things, where we experimented, where we got our hands dirty with those things. And I don't know if we've accomplished that yet, but that that's certainly that's certainly the goal. And and the principle, the 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 title principle leadership lab can mean either the principle of the matter. Or, or an actual principle. And so we bring on guests who, who um, are, are not necessarily like building principles in that sense of the word. So Absolutely. So I want to know how people directly can get a hold of you. I know you're, you're easily to get a hold of on social media. It's both. Yeah. It, it's, so you want, I want to get shout outs on how they can get a hold of you on social media, the name again, and anything else that refers people back to you guys and the leadership lab. Absolutely. So you can find our our Twitter or Facebook page at the at the Principal Leadership Lab. Right. You can find me at uh, on Twitter and Instagram at JD Prickett. Simple as that. JD Prickett. And on Facebook, I'm Jeffrey Prickett. And uh, you, you, my my mother decided to drop the second E in Jeffrey. So I'm only J E F F R Y. There's no second E in Jeffrey. <laughs> it's so funny because my next youngest, well, the the next oldest brother to me, but the next youngest, um, his name was Jeffrey with the E. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I definitely could hear and see that. <laughs> So as we, as we wrap up, uh, any, like you guys have your elevator pitch. I just have a simple, any closing message that you're thinking about from today's episode that you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, this, this has been great. And I appreciate the opportunity and, and it really resonates with me, you know, just the title of your show, man, the relationship centered learning podcast, because to me, that's what it's all about. You can't, you can't do you can't get anywhere. You can't do anything without relationships. And I, I promise you, I had at least two conversations with two different people today about the power of connection and the power of relationships and about the, the, how essential it is to make sure you have people in your lives, those relationships that are going to fill your bucket. And if they're not doing that for you, then you have to cut them off. <laughs> I, I, I know that sounds harsh, but, but honestly, how much time do you, are you going to put into someone who's not giving anything back to you? And that doesn't mean that you need to expect something in return for everything that you do for somebody. That simply means that at some point, you're going to be empty because of that person. And so those, those things matter so much, relationships and, and how much time you pour into people and finding that tribe, man, finding that group of people that, that you can go to and get filled up from and inspire and, and do the same and, uh, for them in return. Well, brother, I want to thank you for a couple of things. One, just for being on the show, simple that your time and your investment, because yeah. I always say time is an investment. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's truly is something, the, mo the most powerful thing that we have in our lives. And so I, I want to say thank you for your time and your investment being on the show. Thank you for being not just an educator, but a father, um, a, yeah, a father for your family, an educator for a leader for your campus and for me personally in our men's group, just somebody that I can look forward to leaning into and leaning onto. Um, I think as you've pointed out, Jeff, our circle gets smaller and I trust you and believe in you and connect with you on a personal basis that know that if for whatever reason I can bounce something off of or just have ideas, or if I want to listen and, and just and be inspired I know that I'm no longer on the campus, but the connections that I've made through the men's and ed group and the other 
PLNs that I've worked with, particularly intentionally with COVID, have given me great opportunities. I would have never met you, Jeff Prickett, if it wasn't for no. the Menzen Group and if it wasn't for COVID and the situations that we're in. So I'm not thankful for that, but I am thankful for you, brother. I thank you for who you are as a person. Thank you for I being agree, on the show man. today. I appreciate you so much, Kevin. Thanks for having me on today. All right, brother. All right. Thank you. Lastly, I want to thank you, the listener, the educator, the difference maker. Your time is valuable. I see time as an investment. And I want to thank you from the center of my heart for making it to the end of this episode. But please don't let this be the end of our relationship. If you have the same passion for putting relationships and connections at the center of all learning, then I need you to subscribe and share this podcast with other like-minded educators. It would be extremely helpful if you would leave a review or a comment on what you loved about the episode, or better yet, tell me what you want to hear about more in the future. This way, other educators that are searching for impactful podcasts can get a sense of what this show can offer them. You see, my hopes and prayers are that you were able to find one strategy or one idea that you could take back to one classroom to make a difference for one kid. Thanks for keeping relationships first, and we'll connect with you next time. 